I pray short arrow prayers throughout the day. But taking time out and stopping for focused, purposeful, personal prayer time is something I've always struggled with. I can pray with others. I've prayed with the same person nearly every Monday night for the last seven or eight years. I meet regularly to pray with people at work. And I absolutely loved the time of prayer and fasting that we did as a church together at the beginning of last month. I fasted television for three days. <laughs> and I realized that an embarrassingly long part of my morning was spent staring over a cup of coffee at BBC Breakfast News. Other breakfast news programs are also available. At the same time, with no screen to stare at for three days, I finally started reading Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray. And with the guidance that he gives, I have, so far, managed to sustain a fairly regular morning time of prayer. I don't think I will ever be one of those people who gets up at four o'clock in the morning and spends two hours in intercessory prayer before breakfast. <laughs> and if you are one of those people, then I thank God for you because our church needs you and needs people with your gifting. But it's not my gift. And I've decided to stop beating myself up about it and instead focus on what I can do, which is to switch off the radio turn off the television, put down the mobile phone, and pause. Even if it's just for five, 10, 15 minutes, and pray. Some mornings, I've got a lot to say. Other mornings, I really struggle to put into words what's on my heart. But I am encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul, who in his letters to the Romans encourages us that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. But does prayer make a difference? Well, taking time out to pray and pause in the morning has made a difference to me and in me. I go into the day having reminded myself who I serve and who loves me and walks with me through the day, whatever happens. So looking at this, first, this record of these first Christians praying in this passage in the book of Acts, it gives a guiding outline that we might find helpful in our personal prayer time or in our time together. We'll be looking at who they prayed to, what they prayed for, and how their prayer was answered. So who did they pray to? Well, they begin this passage by declaring who God is, not to remind him. God doesn't have amnesia. He doesn't need to be reminded who he is. But to encourage themselves to remember who it is that's listening to them. To remember that they're praying to the God of power, sovereign Lord, is how they address him. And this phrase in its original language describes a ruler of unchallengeable power, 
this is our God. The council that Peter and John have just been in front of with their threats and their warnings and their attempts to silence the church may have had power in that place on earth. But God's authority is greater. They remind themselves that they're praying to the God of creation who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They remind themselves that they're praying to the God of revelation who speaks to his people, through his people. They remind themselves that they're praying to a God of purpose. Look at verses 27 and 28 here. 27 says, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. But look at verse 28. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Even when it seems things are going wrong, God's purpose is being accomplished. Whatever the circumstances, God is in charge. I read this recently and it really encouraged me. Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. When we remember how great God is, how powerful he is, what authority he has, Oh, I don't know about you, but I can't help but feel humbled that this amazing, powerful God wants to hear my prayers, your prayers, our prayers. But he does. The Bible tells us that he does. In Philippians, we are told, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Pray about everything. Thessalonians tells us to pray without ceasing. But what did they pray for? C.S. Lewis wrote, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. After encouraging themselves by reminding themselves and remembering who it is that they're praying to, look at what they prayed. Now, Lord, Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They don't spend time telling God what their current circumstances are. They don't go into detail explaining who the council are, why Peter and John are in front of them, what they've been subjected to. Have you ever done that, told God all about your circumstances? I know I have. I do it regularly. I go into great detail of the ins and outs of the situation. Who said what? He said this and she did that and I felt this way about it. But this group of believers don't do that. 
They simply say, look at our current circumstances, Lord, and enable us to overcome them. I think maybe there's a lesson for all of us there. God knows my circumstances. He knows your circumstances. He knows the joys and the challenges of your life. We don't need to explain to God what's going on. He already knows. More amazingly for me, these believers don't ask God to change the circumstances. They don't ask him to change the ones who are making the circumstances difficult. They ask him to change them. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are times when praying for things to change, to expect a miracle, as Judy taught us last month, is absolutely called for, and I encourage us all to continue to do that. But can we challenge ourselves to look at the situations we've been praying about and ask if there are places where we can say, okay, God, you know what's going on here. You could be working on this without me knowing it. And I trust that things won't always be this way. But until things change, change me. Change me so I can see that person through your eyes and not through mine. Change me so I can handle the situation better without getting cross and upset. Change me so that I don't feel so battered and weighed down by what's going on. Can we surrender ourselves totally to God in prayer and invite him to make the change in us and not in our circumstances? I've invited Linda to come and share with us this morning. Could you welcome Linda, please? Thank you for coming. Could you uh, share with us a time in your life when you've been praying about a set of circumstances uh, and God's answer has not come in the way you expected? Okay, um, I'm going to share a story which is written really my story. It's our, our daughter's story, and so I can't share too many details. But um, we have four children, and one of them, um, from the moment she started to walk, um, has been difficult. And, <laughs> and even at a younger age, we were praying, um, and praying for God to bring change in her, to, um, to reveal Jesus to her. And then when she hit 12, things got progressively worse, we're talking about drugs, gangs, um, being excluded from school permanently, various other things that happened. And one situation, um, because people were praying for us. I mean, the church was amazing. People were so supportive. But they kept saying, you know, she will change. This, this, this can't go on forever. It can't get worse. And it did get worse. It continued to get worse. And when she was about 14, again, Dave was out driving around Birmingham looking for her. This happened night after night. She disappeared. And I was downstairs and I just got to that point where I just could not deal with the pain anymore. And I was marching up and down. I couldn't sit still. I didn't know what to do with myself, crying out to God, why have you given us such a daughter? 
And I was expecting him to say, oh, because of your sinful youth or because you're a bad parent or, you know, something like that. And he said, because I trust you. And I could hardly believe what I was hearing because I felt such a failure. And that changed my whole perspective on what we were going through. I completely changed from thinking this is all about I need this to change so I can live. I can't live with this pain anymore to God has called me to live this journey. And it completely changed. I've never forgotten it. I've I see things completely differently now in terms of struggles and pain. God has called me to live this journey. Now, things didn't suddenly magically get better. Um, just because my heart attitude has started to change didn't mean that God was going to answer that prayer. And things got progressively worse, actually. Um, but God is still working his purposes out. That's what I'd like to say. And... Over the last six years, we've had reconciliation as a family, but there's an even deeper divide now in terms of the fact that she's now Muslim and we have Muslim grandchildren. God has still not answered my prayer for her to find Jesus. That is my heart cry, my prayer. But in, in the walk with God in this, he has changed us. And one thing that Bethany said to me, and I can't even remember why she said it. She said, Mum... You wouldn't be who you are today if it hadn't have been for me. And, and it's, it's true. It's absolutely true. We wouldn't be who we are today if we hadn't gone or haven't been going through what we're going through. And so God's purposes, God's plans are so much bigger than ours. And it's, we've had to learn to trust him um, even when the answer isn't yes immediately. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for faith. Thank you for prayers. Thank you for your example and for being willing to share, Linda. Thank you. Linda was talking about answer to prayer. Well, how was their prayer answered here, these early Christians that we're reading about in uh, chapter 4 of the book of Acts? Now, as a church, we are asking God to do it again, to transform us into a group of believers who are not afraid, who can't help but talk about what we have seen and heard. So what would it look like if we prayed what these believers prayed? Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now, the thought of speaking to others about Jesus might excite you and thrill you and make you think, come on, Lord, let me at him. You might be bursting at the seams to tell anyone and everyone you can that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, that their sins can be forgiven and that they can live a full life in the love and the grace and the mercy of God. I fall into that category. But if you're one of the many who would rather stick pins in your eyes, thank you very much, and whose reaction to tell people about what you've seen and heard is to cry out, no, Lord, I can't do it. Please send someone else. And can I say, you're not alone. In the Old Testament, 
Moses told God, please send someone else. When God asked him to tell the elders of Israel about what he'd seen and heard. But God said to Moses, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. In the New Testament, in the first chapter of the book of Acts, Jesus promises his disciples that the Holy Spirit will help them to be his witnesses. And here in chapter 4, in answer to the prayer of those believers, Luke says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God didn't send them off by themselves saying, oh, for goodness sake, don't be such wimps, just get out there and speak. He became part of the answer by filling them with his spirit, his strength, his boldness. And they responded by doing what they prayed to be able to do and spoke his word boldly. And their prayer made a difference. From this group praying for boldness to speak the word. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ spread north to Samaria, south to Gaza and Ethiopia, east to Damascus and west to Rome. Today, our Christian family numbers nearly two and a half billion people with believers around the globe. These first Christians asked for God to change them, and then they changed the world. Prayer does make a difference. 